Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. You're listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Get caught up on this week's top stories from The Hash Crew. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Tuesday's top story. Okay, everyone do the hand, right? It's happening. We're doing that. Merge is coming September 15th. There we go. I got windy this morning. September 15th is the projected deadline for the merge to occur. It could occur between September 13th and 16th. And that's because they're basing the merge on some blockchain numbers and not on calendars like we like to use. We had a hard fork over the weekend, Bellatrix, which was an upgrade to the proof of stake chain, the beacon chain that is already live. The Bellatrix upgrade essentially made it possible for the beacon chain and for the proof of work chain that's already active, both those chains are active, to connect with each other for the actual merge date. This is a huge event in crypto. I think just in terms of like larger events out there, it's up there with like, Bitcoin being created, Ethereum launching, and now we have the merge showing that proof of stake is at least feasible to move into. We'll see how it holds up over the next few years, but at least it's feasible to move into and do this upgrade, which has long been touted as a reason for Ethereum to exist in the first place uh, when it's competing with Bitcoin. Adam, I'll throw this one over to you. Huge deal coming up in the next week or so. How are you planning on celebrating or are you going to celebrate? Oh, man, I'm so risk averse that I'm not one that really celebrates about these types of things. I honestly look at the upcoming date with a little bit of trepidation. It's not trepidation because they haven't done their diligence on it. It's trepidation because something like this is audacious in scope. And there are so many things that could go wrong that it just seems like there's a non-zero chance of that happening. And I think that that this is an incredibly important moment for Ethereum. This is a moment where now that they're finally moving forward with this, The success or failure of it in the immediate term, much less kind of in the future, will really define what the market is going to look like and whether or not there's really space for companies like Solana out there who have largely made their sort of claim to why they should exist and why they're a better alternative based around some of the things that Ethereum is in fact adopting now. It's not going to take them all of the distance that they need to go. But again, to the extent that this goes well, it will be an incredibly strong catalyst for Ethereum and will really kind of prove that they can do these types of things, which Bitcoin, for all of the things that it's good at, has always been incredibly conservative out of an abundance of concern because it's worth a lot of money. Well, Ethereum's worth a lot of money too, $200 billion in terms of value on that blockchain right now. And that's not even counting a lot of stuff. So 
I think it's a, it's a huge milestone. It's a huge accomplishment to even get to this point. I really, really, really hope it goes well, because I think to the extent it doesn't, it's going to be problems, but I'm hopeful. Let's see. Wendy, how about you? I'm very excited, but I'm also very cautious. And thank you for using that big word. I thought it was absolutely outstanding and it made your point just hit home a lot hard. I'm just kidding, giving you a hard time. I'm excited for the merge. I think it's fantastic. I actually minted a NFT on Solana last night and I kind of wish it was on Ethereum because the network was, there were so many problems with the network. And with Ethereum, you can just keep adding more gas to push the transaction through. So that was cool. Um, but I agree with everything that you said that there's a lot, a lot, a lot of money riding on this. Like I couldn't imagine being one of the devs that were working on the merge. I would feel so much responsibility. Like a lot of people are very invested in Ethereum, especially the NFT community. And one of the things I want to let the audience know is guys, just be patient. There could be things that go wrong. Tech is hard. It doesn't always go as it's supposed to go. And I just hope that this is a positive thing for crypto in the long run just because so many people are so invested. Jen, what are your thoughts? I am also excited, but also cautious at the same time. So I take both Wendy and Adam, what you said, and I I take that to heart. But I have a question for you, Will. Besides planning a celebration, if someone out there has Ethereum, they hold Ether in their wallet, what do they need to do to prep for this, if anything? Sit back and relax. You don't have to do anything, actually, which is pretty nice. (laughs) I do think there's some people in the ecosystem who are preparing. Uh, there's a lot of exchanges that need to do things. Are they going to list this ETH POW token? There's miners that are having to decide what to do with these huge stacks of GPUs. Are they going to mine other coins? Are they going to go into other computation? Or are they going to stick around and see if ETH POW is actually a mineable token? For our everyday users who are just holding accounts, you don't really need to do anything unless you choose to be aggressive chasing some ETH POW tokens or trying to get some of these tokens that are going to be on the Forknet of the Ethereum chain that we might see and see if you want to trade those. But for someone who's just rock and rolling with just Ether, a few other tokens, and you're not really worried about anything else, sit back, relax. Everything should be fine on that side. Wendy, to you. One of the things I did want to remind everyone is that we're hearing a lot of different reports about exchanges kind of halting trading or not allowing deposits or withdrawals during this time. So please, 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 if you're somebody who is actively investing, please make sure that you pay attention to whatever exchange you're using follow the rules, understand when this is going to be, and also maybe take into consideration other projects that that you're using that are built with Ethereum technology that also could cause some issues there. So just please plan and please have this like in your investing and trading journals because things can get absolutely (laughs) crazy during this time. Maybe don't trade at all. Things are definitely going to be interesting on the trading front. I think if you get involved with the ETH POW token and just for listeners out there, what that means is there's going to be the ETH POS when the merge happens and the fork goes over, we see a new chain sort of continue or merge, obviously, with ETHPOW and ETHPOS together. And then we might see this ETHPOW track continue. So we'd have the original Ethereum chain continue, and they would have essentially two tokens, right? And so everyone who has Ethereum in an account or has a token built on Ethereum would have two versions of the same thing. The difference, though, will be the economic value of it. It's more than likely that the ETH POS token is going to have significantly more value than the ETH POW token. That doesn't mean that the ETH POW token will be valueless. It just means it's going to be worth a lot less because of the history of these forks and then looking at how many people are going to support the ETH POW chain. I do expect a lot of ETH POW chains to be supported on some of these weird exchanges out there like Poloniex. And then I think there's going to be some really aggressive trading strategies by people who are proficient in these things 
So there's definitely going to be some fireworks, but I think for the average user, they're not going to notice anything. Hopefully they won't notice anything at all, actually. Thursday's top story. Let's kick it off. Let's get the news going, right? Don't Will, time like the it, present. You kick it off. You got to do this. Let's talk about some news. Let's go back to BlockFi. We haven't talked about BlockFi in a few months. Apparently, there's some new information about some executives leaving the firm as FTX is looking to possibly buy out BlockFi. BlockFi, of course, was a huge lending provider during the bull market. Assets under management exceeded the billions. Right now, it doesn't look like it's worth that much. There's a deal on table with FTX US to purchase a firm for about $250 million, but that could even be less depending on different milestones BlockFi can hit. We have three executives leaving, leaving the firm. They have various roles and various titles at the company, basically all directors, heads of sales, putting up new markets. It does make sense that they're interested in leaving based on the fact that a lot of the equity from BlockFi was taken away from most of the employees following all the disturbances it had in May and June. A lot of the deals to get BlockFi out of the situation basically meant that people who had a vested interest in the company lost it in order to save their jobs. Wendy, I want to throw this one down to you since you have a little bit more experience working with these companies or at least using them. Interested to get your take on these execs leaving. To me, it makes sense, right? Like, they had a rough time, probably time to go somewhere else. I honestly think it's kind of a good thing, especially if they're going to be absorbed by a giant like FTX US. And one of the reasons why is when you're looking at these types of companies, even crypto exchanges, the customer should always come first. And this should be something that happens on a global scale with any business. So maybe these guys stepping down is a good thing. Maybe they don't want to work under new management. Who really knows? But either way, I just want people to be made whole again and the customers to get what they deserve to get their money back or however that's going to play out. And if it takes these guys stepping down, I think that that may be a good idea because maybe BlockFi wouldn't have been in the situation they were in if those people didn't work there. On the flip side, though, you also don't know from their angle, like maybe they kind of got a raw deal as well, right? That's the tough thing about being in a crypto startup is you're there, things are going well, everything's peachy, you're making a lot of money, and then all of a sudden the bear market comes and the bottom falls out and you're sort of left holding it back wondering, was it worth all my time and energy to be there? And that's just really part of being crypto, right? It's very cyclical. Things go up, things go down very fast. And behind all those numbers are people. A lot of times those people have equity. And if you are in a startup that did really well, did really hot, but made some poor decisions like BlockFi or like any of these other lending providers that exploded in June, well, then you're probably going to be left holding a pretty empty bag. Sandali? Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, I get why, why they left and from the looks of it, the equity situation isn't in their favor, obviously. But on the other hand, it's kind of upsetting that executives have the option of just kind of washing their hands and leaving at this point because things didn't work out for them. I'm sure it hasn't been easy or fun for them either, but they were not your like junior level employee and you know they need to leave in order for new change to happen. But a small part of me just is bothered that, you know, this is a big company and it'll float somehow and these folks will find other jobs. But I keep thinking this is also a company that marketed itself as an exchange platform with reasonable fees, targeting retail investors. And they're being forgotten in most of these stories, which sound more like a lot of Wall Street style shenanigans these days to me. But I get all your points of view and they're all valid. It's, it's just an interesting and tough time for crypto. I guess. 
Yeah, I, I think we're going to see more add- stories like this as well. Wendy, I'll give it to you, though. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just very, I'm like high on coffee, but also You're very right tired. I love it. It's, I my love da- it. it's my daughter's first week of school, first grade. Let's go. Um, oh, how exciting. Yeah, so except we're exhausted because we're waking up super early. Uh-huh. But anyways, back to this. I get it. But at the same time, I just, I don't know. I think that this is going to be, I don't want this to come off the wrong way. We're experiencing growing pains. Crypto is experiencing growing pains right now. And this might be kind of a necessary evil to expand and to further protect retail investors. So I'm kind of on the fence with this. But at the same time, I really care more about retail than I do with these high level execs and their poor decisions that they made. Yeah, last thought on this one for me is like the equity situation is rough. And I do think like when you have a firm or exchange like this blow up, then your equity is basically scrapped. And most people think of equity as a lottery ticket anyways, not necessarily going to turn into anything. It's just there and it might do well. Coinbase exited, right? But how long did it take for Coinbase to exit? And how much work, sweat, tears, and blood did it take for them to get that equity? Took quite a while. Ask Brian Armstrong about it. He had to go through a lot to get that exchange to go public. So oftentimes it is just sort of a pat on the back when you're going out the door and going public to get to get that equity. Don't always feel bad about that. I think from a human angle, this would be a great story. Maybe like talking about how difficult it is to work in crypto and how difficult it is to work at a crypto startup, how much time to put into it. It's a 24-7 market and in very many ways it becomes 24-7 job. Pretty tough. We need to you. I think I saw your hand go up, but then we can bounce to the next story. Last thought is like when I think about crypto, Bitcoin, NFT, Web3, it's all essentially in beta. It's all of these things are startups. So we know the risk going into investing or advising, et cetera. So, I mean, anytime that I advise on a project or I do consulting or anytime I'm offered equity, I take it, like you said, as a lottery ticket. I don't expect anything from it. If something hits big, fantastic. If it doesn't, it is what it is. And I try to hedge, you know, doing different things as well. Friday's top story. Sandali Handagaba, who has our first story today about the latest in a long and lengthening series of maybe bailouts by FTX. Tell us more. I will. I liked Adam Sidai over there. FTX Ventures, which is the investment arm of Sam Bankman Fried's FTX crypto exchange, has agreed to buy 30% of Skybridge Capital for an undisclosed amount. Skybridge is an alternative asset management firm founded by former White House Communications Director Anthony Scaramucci. The firm said it will use some of the funds to buy some $40 million in cryptocurrencies to hold on its balance sheet. At the end of June this year, it held around $2.5 billion in assets, of which $800 million were in digital assets. Earlier this year, Skybridge also started a new investment vehicle to be able to put money into Bitcoin mining. Meanwhile, Benjamin Fried is continuing to make headlines. FTX has been very busy attempting to bail out troubled crypto lenders like Voyager and BlockFi recently. His bailout efforts haven't all been great, but he has said it's okay to do a deal that is moderately bad in bailing out a place if it meant the broader crypto economy remained healthy. Folks over at CNBC that broke the story have started comparing him to JP Morgan. And uh, Bankman Fried said the deal was not just about expanding the crypto community, but also bringing the traditional and digital asset worlds together. I'm sure, as you said, FTX's recent moves have been discussed at length on the show, but it keeps making them. So, David, I'll mm. throw to you uh, for your thought on this, Chris. 
Yeah, I, I think just to uh, to be clear on one thing, there is at least no disclosure that Skybridge is actually in need of a quote unquote bailout. At least I am not aware of of their financial situation. And to be clear, uh, as as Sam Bankman Fried points to, this is not a crypto hedge fund. This is a a traditional hedge fund by and large. It's been around since two thousand five, and Scaramucci kind of pivoted towards crypto a little bit over the last couple of years, but. They were not, for example, Friero's Capital, where that was their entire bread and butter. So that's you know unclear. Maybe uh, FTX is swooping in at a moment of weakness and taking a chunk that it hopes will grow in the future. But we're reading between the lines a bit on that one. Adam, what do you feel about this like joining of traditional finance with the the more crypto focused world? When we're talking about stories like this, you have to look at kind of what's the driving factor behind it. And from what we can tell, again, from what's been made public, at least, this doesn't appear to be a rescue. It looks a lot more to me like this is about FTX. This is about the move that they've been on and the expansion mode that they've been in incredibly. Because again, remember, for as bad as things are out there for you know the typical crypto company, FTX is not the typical crypto company. FTX mm-hmm. is very much in sort of the catbird seat and they can look around and they can say, aha, where can we achieve sort of the best value investment today? Because our thesis is that this stuff will be significantly more valuable in the future and that this is the low part of a cycle. So we've seen companies do this type of thing in the past. I think that FTX certainly is the largest example that we continue to see just in terms of splashing that money out there. But again, if you look at how successful they've been at establishing themselves as perhaps not the top exchange, but one of the most profitable enterprises and also one of the sort of mm-hmm. broadest, you know, reaching enterprises, I really, this seems consistent to me as they are diversifying, right? And that diversification for Skybridge, the advantage comes that, hey, they're getting some capital in that's going to allow them to really kind of double down on their crypto investment without putting any more money from their existing investors. And it's coming from the crypto people. Uh, whereas the, the other side, you know, is that they're going to own, the FTX is going to own 30% of what is a a good sized fund as a result of this. So it seems like it's a win-win to me. And that's pretty consistent. Like they're not just throwing money around, they're making strategic investments that they believe will both sort of boost the profile of the space itself, which is really a way to boost the sort of uh, profile of FTX as one of the largest companies and most important players in the space. And then simultaneously it's, it's bargain shopping, right? It's like, where can we go to, you know, to deploy capital? Because otherwise, they're keeping it all somewhere, right? You got it. You got those billions of dollars. You got to put it somewhere. So this makes total sense to me. What do you think? Yeah, suddenly you want to add more? You have other thoughts? No, definitely. I didn't read this as a rescue either. I mean, they've just recently been in headlines for, you know, bailout related news. But yeah, this is definitely more of a question of, Kind of Bangman Fried's expanding influence over the industry as well. He's he's definitely got a long term plan, and he's not afraid to kind of lose some money and in mm-hmm. making sure crypto has a has a future. And it's really cool to see that sort of happen in this space. And you know, he's been compared to a lot of um, different people. He's here, he's there, he's everywhere. It was it, there was like a Roy Kent reference, like he's got his fingers in a lot of things right now, I think that he's really, really working on expanding his power. And I don't know, there are yeah. some mixed feelings about that. You know, is, is, is that making the space more centralized? Is it concentrating power in one person? I've seen that debate go around as well, but I think yeah. he's doing some interesting work. David? We'll see. I will offer one last thing before we transition to our next story, which is one interesting thought here is that Skybridge, as a, a longstanding fund, does have both some public legitimacy and 
some, you know, people who are experienced and who know procedures and things like that. And so I, I, I wore a shirt today to point out the contrast between Skybridge and another infamous entity, which, you know, you want to stand up an alternative to your, your three arrows capitals of the world who might then still take on that role of being a hedge fund in crypto going forward. So, so I think that strategically speaking, big picture, that could be part of the, the agenda here too. You've been listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Coindesk has a new event. It's called Ideas, the Investing in Digital Assets and Enterprises Summit. It facilitates capital flow and market growth by connecting the digital economy with traditional finance. Join us for a 360 investment experience where you can source, invest, and secure the next big deal in digital assets, all in one place. Use code HASH20 for 20% off a general pass. Register today at coinest.com forward slash ideas. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.